All right, good morning. How's everybody? Good. Okay, so I think there's two different types of people. And maybe you've transitioned from one type to another type, and it's this. How many people love snow? How many people are done with snow? Yeah, yeah. Anybody raise your hand to both? I love it, and I'm done with it officially now. Well, listen, my name is Fred, and I am uh, so glad uh, that, to have you join us today, whether you're here in person or online, and um, I get to be the lead pastor here. And, and here's uh, just to kind of introduce you a little bit to who we are as a church. Uh, we believe that in Jesus there is hope, and there is healing, and there is inspiration. And, and what we pray for and what we hope happens is that when you come here, that's what you experience is hope, is healing and inspiration. And if that's what you want, then you have found the right place. And today, here's what I've been praying for specifically, is that we have a deep understanding of God's truth today, specifically in the words that we hear. And and not just the words that are spoken to us, but it's the things that we tell ourselves because of what people have spoken to us, right? I want us to, to experience some, some, some truth from God's word about the words that bounce around in our head. Now, have you ever heard this saying before? Sticks and stones may what? Break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? It's often said, like when someone's making fun of you, it's, 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 it's often said, like, like, like uh, when somebody says something about you that because you're different, here's the problem with that phrase, right? It's a lie, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a big, fat lie. And here's why. Sticks and stones may may break your bones, right? But bones heal. Words can linger for a lifetime. If not understood, if not forgiven, if not dealt with, they can dive deep into your soul. And now maybe someone has, has spoken words to you or about you when you were a child that still bring up emotion, right? That still uh, bring up hurt. Let's find out. Adults, when you were a child, and I'm not going to have you raise your hand and tell me, but just think about this. When you were a child, what did someone make fun of you about? All right, students, what was something that someone recently said to you that made you feel bad? What did they say to to make fun of you? Here's what's interesting. I asked a handful of people that question. When you were younger, what did somebody make fun of you for? Or even just recently, what did someone make fun of you for? And here's what's amazing. Every single person had an answer. I couldn't find anybody that said, no, nobody ever made fun of me for anything, right? Every single person had an answer. You see, I think this is true for all of us, that that hurtful words from the past still hurt today. See these ears on my head? They have been this size since the day I was born. Right, and I can laugh about it now, but when I was a kid, like I, they stuck out like anything, like nothing. I looked like a member of the British royal family. Like my ears were so big when I was a kid, and like I would grow my hair out. Thankfully, it was the '70s, so it worked, and and to try and cover them up, but they would still poke through. I was called names like Dumbo. I was called names like Radar, and those names hurt. Right, even when I was in high school and in college. Uh, 
people would make fun of me because of some of the choices that I made. Now, I wasn't a follower of Jesus until my senior year of college, so I had plenty of bad choices to make. But for whatever reason, I, I had a different standard of purity than those who were around me. Now, my immediate friends, we were all very similar, but, but the outside group of that, that we were acquaintances with and friends with, we had a very different, I had a very different standard of purity than they did. Uh, you know, like I just didn't want to have sex with anybody who gave me some attention with anybody and everyone. And a lot of those on the outskirts of my friendship did. And so they obviously assumed that I was gay, right? I had a girl one time say, Fred, are you gay? And I was like, no, why would you ask that? She goes, well, you never hit on me. I was like, because I don't like you. Like, that's why. <laughs> Not a good way to make friends and influence people. But, but I got called, not just gay, I got called every name and every slang for being gay. And the problem with that is that I'm not gay. I just, I just didn't have like the morals of a bull that some of my friends had, right? But those names hurt still. And that's what, that's what being made fun of does. And see, here's the deal. People will make fun of you for a couple of reasons. They'll make fun of you for the things that you can't control that make you different like big ears, right? They'll also make fun of you for the choices that you make, which make you different. And so really, if you look at those, you see that there's really only one reason that people make fun of you and people call you out. Do you see it? It's based on what's different. What's different between you and, and different between them. And when this happens, when this happens, oftentimes you feel hurt. If it's for the things that, that you can't control, right, you, you often feel depressed. And if it's, they make fun of you for the things that you can control, the choices that you make, oftentimes it's easy just to try to want to give up on those choices, right? And to, and to go along with, with the crowd and to do what even though you know you don't want to do, you do it just to stop people making fun of us. And the question is, why do we do that? Why do we let that hurt? Why do we let those words sink into us? And I think there's a couple of reasons. One, I think because we don't realize we don't have to do that. Sometimes it's just ignorance that we don't know that there's a way to freedom from those hurtful words. And sometimes, sometimes there's this deeper problem with this. And the deeper problem is that it's easier for us to believe those words than it is to believe the words that God says about us. It's easier to believe that we are bad, that we aren't good enough, than to believe what God says about us. Well, here's what I hope happens today, y'all. I hope today, even if it's only for a little bit, we can lift our eyes to what God says about us. And in doing that, we experience freedom from some of those hurtful words. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 123, because that's where we're going to be today as we work our way through the Songs of Ascent. And, and, and if you'll notice, there are a bunch of chairs up here, and, and, and these chairs represent, uh, people have brought them, and they represent people that we're praying for to, to join us in this journey of faith, uh, to either join us uh, or, or come back to this journey of faith from the place that we call, uh, the place that we live to the place that we call home, heaven, and, and this journey with Jesus. And, and what we've seen as we've worked our way through the Psalms is that in Jesus, there really is a place for any and I wonder if some of the people we pray for, if some of the people that these chairs represent are people who uh, maybe hurtful words have been said about them. Maybe even we've said hurtful words about them. 
Maybe as Christ followers, we've said things that push people away from Jesus instead of giving him space to, to draw them in. You see, in this song of ascent that we're going to be going through, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see a person who is scorned. All right? And that's a word that means that, means that they're made fun of. Right? And, and they're made fun of. It's not for something that they can't control, but they're made fun of for a choice that they make to, 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 to obey and live for God. And as they do this, the, there's a certain group of people that make fun of them and that scorn them. And because of the choice that they make, they're, they're made fun of, they're ridiculed, and they're, they're called out. And as we process their thoughts and emotions in this psalm, hopefully what we will do is we'll learn what to deal with our hurt, what to deal with, with both our past and, and present, and even our future hurt of when words come at us that are meant to hurt us and make fun of us what to do with them. And, and today, like I said, I hope we leave freer from those past hurts. And let's look at verse 1. Psalm 123, verse 1, it says this. It's a song of ascent, and, and that's what we're going through. Remember, it's the songbook of Jerusalem as they travel from wherever they live to where they consider their, their true home in Jerusalem. It's, this is their playlist. It's their songbook as they make that journey. And it says this. Uh, to you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. And so, so here's the image, right? It's this person, uh, and, and, and we'll see in a little bit that they're made fun of, that they're being scorned, right? And, 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 and what they're doing is as they're being belittled, and they become the target of anger, what they do is they look to God. That's what I lift my eyes up means. Now, it doesn't just mean that they lift their eyes physically to God, but oftentimes it is this. Oftentimes it is actually closing their eyes and allowing their soul and allowing their attentions to, to focus on God. Instead of focusing on themselves, instead of focusing on those around them, it's directing all of their attention to God. But when the traveler does this, what he does is he sees this image, right? He sees God sitting on a throne, right? It's this, it's this place of authority. He pictures himself, she pictures herself stepping into the throne room of God. Now for them, this would have been a much more common image because they had kings and they, and they had queens and they had rulers and they had princes. We don't have that here, do we? We have to go across the pond to see the queen, right? Here we have presidents and governors and mayors, Right? But what this image is, is it's coming into a place where authority rests. And so imagine walking into the place of the greatest authority you know. Right? Imagine walking into the office of the president. Imagine walking into the Oval Office. Imagine walking into the principal's office at school. Right? Unannounced, just walking in. Imagine walking into that place where your parent goes Right? when, when y'all need to have a talk. Right? Is it in the office? Is it in the home office? Is it in the bedroom? Is it, where is that place? Imagine just coming to that place. Right? And imagine what you experience when you walk into that place. You're probably a bit scared. You're probably a bit anxious. But what we see here too is that our traveler, what we see here is, is that they're also humble as they come in. Because it is a place of authority. There is a king sitting on a throne and it is not our traveler. And as we heal from past hurts and hurtful words, our hurt is healed with humility. That's where this psalmist starts off. He's lifting up his eyes. There is a person who is above him and it's a position 
of humility that our traveler takes. Look at verse 2. It says, Behold, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master, and as the eyes of the maidservant, the hand of their mistress, so our eyes look to God. And so here's what's happening. This, this traveler, he or she, is this, is this picture of this, of this servant looking to the hand of the king. And why the hand? Because that's the place where needs are supplied, right? If you came to the king, either he would, he would tell you to come with his hand or he would tell you to get out with his hand. Right, And in his hand would be a, a, a scepter and either they would, they would reach out to you with the scepter to grant you what you need or they wouldn't, which means to get out. And so, so it's this place of, of, of acceptance. It's this place where need uh, is met and it's the servant looking to the hand of the master. Like, like again, we don't have that, but here's what we have. Have you ever put a kid in a high chair and realized you forgot something? Right, And you buckle them in, you put the little tray in front of them and you walk away from them to get whatever it is you forgot, what do they do? They may throw a fit and they watch you like a hawk, right? Because they know what they want you've got. And they will watch you walk it back and forth in the kitchen until you bring whatever it is to them, right? It's, a, it's, the, it's the, the, the lesser person looking to the greater person because of what they need. What, what this child does in the high chair, they know that, what they need comes from someone who's greater. And this is the picture here. It's the servant looking to the master and looking to the hand because what they need only has one source. And so our traveler here says, I lift my eyes up to God because they are the only, God is the only one who can give me what I need right now. And so not only is our hurt healed with humility, our hurt is healed with God. And y'all, this is so important. We're going to see the hurt in just a minute in the psalm. But this is so important because we can, we can look in many different places to try and, 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 and heal where we're broken. But our psalmist is telling us, lift up your eyes to the Lord. Because only in God's presence can you find what you need. And the psalmist is saying, when, when words are trying to hurt you, when words have hurt you, and what you want is healing, what you need can only be found in one place. And that's looking to God. And so what do we need to do? Look at the rest of verse 2. The rest of verse 2 says this, uh, till he has mercy upon us. Now, I'm going to talk about mercy real quick and what it means, but then I'm going to talk about another shift that we've seen between verse 1 and verse 2 that I think is very critical in this process. Now, mercy is this word that means be gracious to me. It means to show favor to me. Basically, it's a really nice way to say, give me what I need, right? That's what mercy means. Have mercy means give me what I need, right? It's the parent putting the mac and cheese down on the tray, Right? It's the president hearing your request and, and saying, man, that's not only a good idea, that's a great idea. I'm going to do it. Right? It's, your, it's, your, it's your parent giving you the iPhone. Because right? you need it. Right? I, really, sometimes you do. Right? But what the psalmist here is saying is that only God gives us 
what we need. Only God can give us this healing. That's what mercy is. And so lift up your eyes to the Lord. He's the only one that can, that can heal. And he's the only one that can give you mercy to give you what you need. But then something else shifts in the text in these two verses that I think is critical to this process. It's like, it's like, it's like when you know you're approaching the Lord humbly, it's when you know you're on this step for healing. Because I want to draw your attention. Look at verse 1. All right? And, and tell me if this is singular or plural. Right? We're going back, going back to school, right? Singular or plural? Verse 1 says, to you I lift my eyes. Is, is, to you I, is that singular or plural? Singular, right. Look at the end of verse 2. It says, the eyes of the maidservant, the hand of the maidservant, to, uh, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy on who? Us. There's a shift. See, this, this traveler, when, when, when he or she started this journey, what was going through her head was this hurt that she had experienced that we're going to see in just a minute, right? And so she starts this prayer saying, I lift my eyes to the Lord. And then as she approaches God humbly, as he approaches God humbly and realizes that God is the only source, the only place of healing for what she needs, for what he needs, all of a sudden the perspective changes. All of a sudden, the perspective goes not from I, but to us. Right? Not from, from it moves from, from me to we. Right? Now, now, listen, hurt. Right? When, when we let hurt fester in our souls, it keeps us focused on ourselves. Right? Holding on to past hurt makes very self-centered Christians. But when we humbly take that hurt to the only one who can heal us, to the only one who can, who can fix our brokenness, something amazing happens. That, that as our hurt is being healed, we actually get to connect with others. You see, staying hurt keeps us separated from others. But humbly seeking healing from God connects you and me to those around us. Now listen, if you want to die a grumpy old person where the only people that go to your funeral are the people that have to be there, you keep holding on to that hurt because that's what's going to happen. By the grace of God, I haven't had to preach any of those funerals, but I know people who have, and they're miserable. And church, I'm telling you, I don't want any of you to be in that position, Right? If you want to hold on to that hurt and let that hurt turn into an offense that you carry and that offense turn into bitterness and that a bitterness turn into loneliness, then you just keep doing that. Or you can do what our psalmist here does. You can do what the person who writes this psalm does. Look at verse 3. It says, Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us. For we have had more than enough contempt. And contempt just means judgment, right? So, so we've seen this. The, our psalmist is asking for mercy. And here we begin to see why. Because there's judgment, right? That people have judged the life of our travelers. They've judged the, the choices they've made. They've been condemned by them. They've made, they've made fun of her. And the words have done more than go into her ears, y'all. And this is what we're about to see. We're about to see why, why hurtful words... Uh, 
you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. We're about to see why that's a lie because look, look at verse four. Look at where these words go. Verse four says, our soul has had more than enough. Now the ESV captures this. The NIV translation doesn't, right? But what the psalmist is saying is that these words of condemnation, these words of judgment, these words of people making fun of us, these words of people scorn us have done more than go in our ears. They have actually made their way down into our souls. That's why sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a lie. Because sticks and stones hurt the body and words hurt the soul. And soul healing is God's territory. That's where what is is broken can only be healed by God. And so here's what we get to do as Jesus followers. We get to take this hurt that we experience to the very highest authority we have. And it's not the mayor, it's not the governor, it's not your parents, it's not the president, it's not a king or a queen. It is the Lord Jesus himself ushers us into God's throne room and we get to go there. And we get to go there actually because of Jesus, that we get to walk into God's throne room unannounced anytime we want because of Jesus. The writer, a writer in the New Testament uh, wrote the book of Hebrews, and, and what the author of Hebrews says is this, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession in him. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has tempted, uh, who has been tempted just as we are, yet without sin. So in other words, like our high priest Jesus, he gets us. He knows why we're showing up. He expects us to show up broken. And so then the author of Hebrews says, let us draw then with confidence, let us then, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Here's what's interesting. In the temple, like the author of Hebrews is using this language of the temple with high priests and stuff. There's no thrones in the temple. He switches, she switches like, like imagery and goes from throne and goes from, from high priest to throne in the throne of grace. Cause what happens when we step into God's throne room? What happens when when Jesus takes us in there is that we can come with confidence to the throne of grace and receive what? Receive mercy. And find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews had temple imagery in their mind, but they also had this image of a throne room. And I wonder if they had this psalm in their mind. I don't know. But maybe they did because they understood that because of Jesus and only because of Jesus, we can enter God's throne room. And see, this is important for those of you who are watching online and those of you that are here that that think Christianity is about do's and don'ts. It's not. We can never be good enough to get into God's throne room and we can never be bad enough to be kept out. It is only because of Jesus we can enter that presence. It is only because of Jesus that the relationship with God is made new and where life is so if you haven't said yes to Jesus and haven't said yes to, 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 to following Jesus, then let today be the day that you do that because in that throne room, there is healing. You see, with humility, we know that our king hears us. And can I give you a very practical way to give God your hurt? Because it's found here, look at verse four. It says, it says our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those 
uh, who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. And so here we get to see the cause of the hurtful words, the cause of the hurting. And so who are the people making fun of our traveler? The NIV says proud and arrogant. The, the ESV, like I just read, says those who are at ease and those who are proud. The message calls them this. The message calls them complacent, rich men, and arrogant brutes. All right. Y'all, let me give you a tip from years of counseling of seeing people let go of past hurt and seeing the freedom that they experience. Because here's what we see here. The psalmist is labeling who these people are that make fun of them. They're proud. They're arrogant. They're brutes. Right? I have a counselor here in town who I deeply respect and refer people to her all the time. And she has this phrase that she always says when people experience hurt from others. She always says this. She says, consider the source. Consider the source. See, look at those who are saying those things. Are they like the person described here? Are they proud? Are they, are they arrogant? Do they, do they thrive on putting others down? Anybody know people like that that just love putting people down? They're so difficult to be around, aren't they? Does the person who who, who, who gave you your hurtful words, do they have a a track record of doing this or is it out of step with them? Sometimes people say hurtful words and don't mean them to be hurtful, right? Parents, we say stuff to our kids all the time, don't we? We have this saying like like stuff would come out of our mouths and we'd be like, well, we're going to pay for six to eight counseling sessions for that one day. Like, Like we know. And so consider the source When you look at the hurtful words that people have said about you, consider the source, and here's the filter you run them through. Are they worthy to sit on the throne of your soul dictating to you what is good and what is right? No, they're not. There's only one who sits on the throne of your soul. You see, Paul says this about God's throne room, about Jesus's throne room. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want y'all to read that out loud with me because I want it to sink in, not to our ears, but just to, but not just to our ears, but to our soul too. Say it with me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's what that means. That means when you take your hurt into God's throne room, when you step into God's throne room, there is no condemnation there. God's words that he speaks to your soul are the words that you need. They are mercy, right? They are not words to diminish you. They are not words to belittle you. They are not words to hurt you. They are words to to lift you up, to change you, to heal you, to free you so that you leave that throne room with more faith and trust than you came in. That's what happens when we take our hurt into the throne room of God. Now, here's what's interesting. You know, I said if you want to be a die a grumpy old person with the only people that show up to your wedding or the people, I mean, the, to your funeral or the people that, that, um, uh, that have to be there, like that's what a proud person is. And this psalm is a, is a way to be humble. To realize that what you need belongs in God's throne room, not in the hands of somebody else. And proud people, here's how you know someone is is, is a proud person. They continue to hurt people. 
But here's what you also know about them, because this is what this psalm shows us. If they're proud people speaking hurtful words, it means that they are a hurting person speaking hurtful words, because hurt people hurt people. That's just kind of what they do. And what happens is if you hold on to that hurt, guess what? You start doling out to everyone. Hurt. And church, I don't want us to be those people. I want us to be those Jesus followers that have humility that mark us and have freedom that mark us and have healing that mark us. And so let's do this. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to, to let go of some of that hurt today so that we don't become the people that keep hurting others. And I've got a little prayer exercise that I want us to do. All right, so you can stay right where you are, which is great. Um, not only do these chairs represent people that we're praying for, it also represents us as we, as we rest in Jesus, isn't it? As we sit in the promises of God, as we sit in, in who God is. And so what I want you to do is, in the chair that you're in, I just want you to sit and get comfortable, right? And I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to make uh, some fists with your hands. And you can put them on your lap, or, or you, know, you can cross your arms with them, whatever's comfortable. But just make fists. And I want you, as I talk about hurtful words, I want you to take a second and, and, and just kind of replay, what, what are the hurtful words that someone has said about you? Right? And I want you to hear those words in your head. And what were they? Were they that you, you're not good enough, that you won't measure up? Were they words of, of perfection that you can't reach? Were they words of slander? Someone call you names? Someone call you really gross names and you've believed it? Were they words from a really, really long time ago that still keep bouncing around in your head? When you hear those words, what do you feel? Do you feel insecure? Do you feel angry? Do you feel sad? And I want you to put those words in your fist. And I want you to consider the source. Are those words coming from the throne room of God or from somewhere else? And I want to do what our psalmist asks us to do and to lift up our eyes to the Lord who is seated on his throne. And, and I want you to picture walking into the throne room, picture the most grand room you can think of. And Jesus walks us in and he takes us to the throne of God. And what I want you to do is to, to take your fist and I want you to, to open your palms up and release. And release those words to God. And release that hurt to God. And, and it could be in the, in the path of forgiveness that you do this. You declare that you have forgiven the person. It could be you're not ready to forgive yet, but you're ready to let go of these words and to give them to God. And you do that. And then I want you to do what this psalmist does. And y'all, this is where it gets really, really cool. Because I want you to lift up your eyes to God. And I want you to let him put something else in your hand. What is the truth from the Holy Spirit about who you are? What is God saying to you? 
And I want you to receive that as true. That in Jesus, you are good. That in Jesus, you are free. That in Jesus, you are beautiful. That in Jesus, you are clean. That in Jesus, you are being made holy. And we take that truth with us. And Jesus, I pray over us that that truth would sink down deep into our souls and fix what is broken by hurtful words of someone who is not worthy to sit on the throne of our soul. By someone who we have, either willingly or unwillingly, allowed them to take your place. And I pray that we would put you back on the throne of our heart and we would hear your words with clarity. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look around the room because what happened is by God's grace, we're all gonna leave this place a little freer. You may have come here thinking I lift my eyes to the Lord, but we all just needed it. And we all just needed God to heal us in very broken and very private places. And if Jesus did what I know he can do, he did. Let me pray for us and we'll go into a time of worship. Jesus, you are good to us. And you are the one uh, that has what we need. You are the source of our healing and our hope and our inspiration. You are the source of who we are. And I pray that when hurtful words continue to come into our heads, Jesus, I pray that, that, that we will go to you and let you usher us into that throne room and we will leave those hurtful words there at God's throne because he's the one that can deal with them. And God, yeah, that we would hear you speak truth over us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.